On this week's episode of the podcast, Drew, I'm coming to you with the story of a feud. Family feud. It is a family feud. Oh? And it would change the course of soccer forever. Buckle up. This is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Dead Ball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. Now a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We wah, made wah, it. Wah, 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 wah. My name, as always, is everybody's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker Snavely. That full thing is my name. That I put that title in front of Adam. Joined, as always, by my real-life brother. Drew Snavely, and I have three words for you all. Up the Red Devils. <laughs> And which is forward. Which is forward. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Awful. And this week's podcast is brought to you by Untuck It. Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. Drew? Yeah. How you doing? I'm great. Yeah? I, I, I mean, definitely sad about the Bills losing. Ooh, uh, yeah. But I mean, that, Just, was la- that was last week, and yeah. so mm-hmm. this week was a little bit better. We got to we got to watch like you know the misery of other teams that lost in the NFL exactly. playoffs. We got to see the Texans blow it. Yeah, we got to see Manchester United crush Norwich. Oh, uh, man, we got Incredible. to see the Ravens blow it. Oh yeah, we got that to see just this morning announced. What was announced this morning? Gio Reyna is now a part of BVB's first squad. Whoa, what's up? Or B I miss as that. They say in the German. I was actually off. Twitter, Twitter today. I was pretty busy at work, so. Well, now I'm, you know. Now I, I deliver know. that piece of news to you. Yes. Wow. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. In real time. And uh, I think it's a. I think it's fitting that I, I insert a little bit of German news because Germany is primarily where we're going to be headed today. Oh. Because Drew, I have a story for you about a fight, a feud, if you will. A family feud. A family feud. Steve if you will. Harvey. No style. Steve Harvey. No Mustache. Steve Harvey style. We've got way more money on the line than any episode of Family Feud that you could possibly imagine. But Steve Harvey is connected to the soccer world just because of his daughter. Who, who is used in- to be engaged. Oh, they're they, not. No, oh, it's not a thing anymore. I thought they got married. No, 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 no. They oh, were engaged and then they got man. Lori Harvey and uh, Memphis. Man. Yeah, that's no longer a thing. That's Actually, really sad. I just saw a TMZ thing because I'm a pop culture like idiot. I just saw a TMZ thing that says that she is now actually dating Future. Oh, of all people, <laughs> good for her. So she's really she's really moving. Like yeah. uh, she's she was conquering Europe, but now she's back in the the American rap game. Which Memphis doesn't Memphis have like a rap song or two? Yes, he does. He's terrible. But <laughs> well, maybe yeah. that's what. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. <clears throat> Everybody's got to have dreams. You yeah, absolutely. Drew yeah, What's to up? the story. Let's go to the story. I'm 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 already I'm I'm into this one. I love Family Feud so. I'm glad. (laughs) Once upon a time, in a small town in South Germany called Erzogenaurach. It's a mouthful. I broke tradition and I looked up how to pronounce this word. Ah, that's probably a good tradition to break. I I was like, you know what? I'm going to look up how to pronounce this. Did you look up videos? Yeah, I looked up up a couple videos. Okay. It's Erzogenaurach, which uh, it's usually shortened to just Erzo. Herzo. H E R Z O. No, don't say it like an Italian. Herzo. Antonio Margarita. Margarita. 
where we always go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Once upon a time in a small town in South Germany called Erzgenaurach lived a weaver named Christoph Dassler. Christoph had a pretty quintessential German life for the turn of the century. A profession that had been handed down from generation to generation of Dassler, a wife and four children, born between 1892 and 1900. Fritz, Marie, Rudolf, and Adolf. Oh, little no. Adolf. <laughs> little Adolf Dassler. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is pre this is pre Hitler. It is right? pre the other Adolf, but we will be talking about the oh, other. Oh no. It's going to come into oh, play. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. It's never good when that guy gets involved. No. no. Nope. Now, today, Dassler might have been referred to as an artisan or artisanal or something. Um, he was a weaver, uh, but for a long time, the artisan was the only way that people could make certain things. So he was just like the the – he was the Joanne Fabrics of his town, basically. Um, the The individual craftsmen were the people that you went to. Yeah. Because he grew up and lived most of his life in the 1800s, like so. Thinking about that, yeah, there like weren't even cars yet. The individual Maybe there were cars. I don't know. Yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the individual people making things were the equivalent of like a town store, but the industrial revolution was about to change all that, and soon. Major textile factories around Germany just crushed the textile industry in Erzl. Christoph, as did many others affected by this change in town, turned to shoemaking. The stitching patterns and skill needed to be a cobbler and to create good shoes was something that, in many respects, factory assembly still hasn't caught up with. That's cool. Um, pretty much always, like, if you got a shoe made by hand now, it is still way better than most all shoes that you get in the factory that are, like, factory-made assembly. Yeah. Pretty wild, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so the profession was seen as a little bit more stable in town. Actually, at one point in like the 1920s, there was as there was over a hundred cobblers in this town that was only like a twenty thousand person town. So that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of shoe shops. Yeah. <laughs> to to be choosing from for a a pretty small town. Yeah, yeah, pretty competitive market. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just just in general. So this will be important. Just remember this. Okay. Fast forward uh, about a decade and a half to World War One. We're getting back to our roots a little bit. Yeah, I know. We're going back to the World I Wars. I feel like it's been a while since we've we mentioned haven't talked the about war. the World Wars yeah. in a while, and now we're back. Yeah. Both Fritz and Rudolf Dassler are drafted into the German army. Adolf, however, still too young, a teenager at the time. And while his brothers are fighting for Germany, Adolf was finishing an apprenticeship as a baker, which is what his father wanted him to do. Because I guess he figured that was a steady job. Everyone needs food. And what father wants to send their kid to war? Right? <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I guess. I, I... I'd fail my physical, dude. I'm not even lying. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Dropping weights on my foot. <laughs> so Adolf finished his apprenticeship because his father wanted him to do it and he promised he would, but he wasn't feeling the baking life. It wasn't for him. However, he much preferred his father's work and he began learning to stitch and how to make shoes from his dad. This is also the time period where Adolf's interest in sports came to a head. He was kind of a prolific athlete. In his own way, not like prolific, like <clears throat> he wasn't a professional athlete. 
but he participated in a ton of sports. He was super interested in boxing, soccer, hockey, uh, and track. And he ran a bunch of track, actually. He, he did that for quite a while. He's athletic. In his youth. He's an athletic dude. Yeah. He also had a big attention to detail, and it began to lead him down a fateful path. He realized that at the time, early, early 1900s, most athletes weren't wearing specialized shoes for each sport. So there were spiked shoes that people were wearing, and then there was flat shoes. And if you were playing hockey and or figure skating, you were wearing ice skates. But these shoes weren't specialized to all the sports. There wasn't the division of like, this is an American football cleat. This is a soccer boot, if you will. This is a baseball cleat. This is a hockey skate. This is a figure skate. All these things, they didn't exist. Man, that, whoever had that thought, which I'm assuming it was is Adolf. Adolf. It was Adolf. Like, that is wild. I mean, I, I imagine other people also had the thought, but he was a person who had the thought, and it became a big deal for him. You had your flat shoes and you had your spike shoes, and that was pretty much it. When Adolf turned 18, he was drafted into the German military just like his brothers, but it was 1918, and the First World War was basically over already. So he served for a year, not that much happened, and then he returned home to Herzogenaurach, which... I just like to say it because now I know how to say it. Hopefully I'm saying it hopefully I'm saying it correctly. Yeah. To start his career making shoes. However, Germany's economy was just getting absolutely demolished, just crushed after World yeah. War One. Um, Inflation. If you recall, it was one of the ways and reasons the Nazi Party got itself into power. They took advantage of a really terrible economy. Yes. And they said, Oh, we got us out of this bad economy. You should also believe everything else that we believe. They also fixed the trains, too. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> nice social studies poll. Hey, man, I got it. Also, materials were super scarce in post-World I Germany. Adolf turned to using fabric scraps from military boots and clothing that was left over from the war. And because electricity sucked and was super unreliable at the time, he created a leather mill that could be powered with bicycle pedals. Oh, yeah. So he makes shoes in his mom's kitchen. And he gets spikes to attach to the bottom of his his cleats and his boots or whatever you want to call them from his friend and fellow athlete that he like spent a lot of time playing sports with, Fritz Zeeland, and his brother, who were blacksmiths. So they made spikes for the shoes, and he would put them in. Um, he began sending samples of his shoes to different sports teams around the area, of which there were several soccer teams willing to take him up on his talent. Adolf was in business. Enter Rudolf Dossler, Adolf's older brother. Rudolf had been a policeman after his service in uh, in Germany's army. Army? Germany's army. Good job, Adam. Yeah, Nicely yeah, yeah. done. <laughs> Germany's army. But when Adolf wanted to bring his brother into the company, Rudolf readily signed on, and Gebruder Dossler Sportschuhfabrik was born. That means Dossler Brothers Sports Shoe Factory. Yeah. The Germans... Super efficient in their naming of things. Yeah, I mean, they tell you exactly what this is, what you want. This is what, what you it are. Is. We make shoes, and they are sports shoes. Yes, and that's what we do, baby. Yes, uh, it was known as Gados for short because, or Gados. I, I don't know how to pronounce exactly how they pronounce that, but it was just a shortening, basically, of Gebruder, the first word, and their last name Dussler. So, okay, Gados. Yeah, cool. They didn't know it yet. But worldwide fame, success, and 
Switching their factory to a manufacturer for bazookas awaited them in just a few short years, as well as a feud that would divide their city for decades to come. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deadball Brothers, brought to you by Untuck It. It is brought to you by Untuck It this week, Drew. And let me ask you a question. Do you ever see a person wearing an untucked button-down dress shirt? And that dress shirt looking not very good. Yeah, you in, see it in all fact, the time. It looks bad. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good. It it's kind a little of has too a, long. It kind of has a I got lazy after a wedding vibe. A little kind wrinkly. Of deal. It's a little wrinkly. It's kind of weirdly shaped at the bottom of it. Uh, that's because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter what size you are, what shape you are, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And it has more than 50 fit combinations. So, you know me... I'm kind of a weird-shaped person. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of stocky, but I've got way shorter arms than all, all of my shirts ever want me to have. We're all unique. Yeah. <laughs> We're all special in our own yeah. ways. Yeah. Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, athletic guys. Basically, whatever your size, whatever your body type, Untucked shirts has a thing for you. And these actually do look good. Like, they, they fit really, really well. This is, a, this is a good, good product. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big. And the website, very, very big important thing, the website's easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whatever shape you are, whatever weird thing you have going on, with me it's always, you know, my collars never fit very well. Either I have to choose between my collars fitting or my sleeves being the correct length. So my either my top button is never buttoned or my sleeves are way too long. Yes. That doesn't exist here. We have all these different fit combinations specifically to tailor it to you. So... Whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. are back from our sponsorship break so back adam there's a family feud on the horizon and i think i know where this is going but it's such an awesome story that i'm not going to ruin it here for anybody who doesn't yeah i i had a feeling you would know oh excuse me there's a little burp a little burp it's all right we're just real we're We're, just being transparent real here really yeah we're showing our true authentic selves yeah i had a feeling that you would know where this is going um it's it's a fairly popular story, but it must be said that if we're going to do a soccer history podcast that focuses on kind of funny slash weird slash unbelievable stories, this story would have to be covered at some point. It's kind of 
it's kind of crazy that it's coming at episode 27 then. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's the story that I think that it is, it's a pretty bonker story yeah. that you think would be like top 10. Well, here we are. Uh, we we started with some really, really obscure ones, and now we're moving to the more popular <laughs> ones, I guess. No, that's not exactly true. We're selling out. We're, we're selling. <laughs> we got ads now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Buy on Tucket shirts. So. Adolf and Rudolf saw the 1928 Amsterdam Olympics as a massive opportunity to expand their brand beyond Germany. And they saw to it to outfit any German track stars they could. They didn't have inroads per se at the time, but they would just essentially offer their shoes to people that would be running. And they struck gold, literally. When Lena Radke won gold in the women's 800 meters in 1928 and set a world record wearing Gatos shoes. The brothers signed a contract at that point with Germany's National Track and Field Association to supply athletic shoes to their athletes. More athletes wore their shoes to the 1932 Olympics in Los Angeles. And as the company picked up steam in these Olympic events, international athletes began to take notice. In the 1936 Berlin Olympics at home in Germany, most, if not all, German track athletes were wearing Dossler Brothers shoes. But Adolf had a bigger fish in sight. American track superstar Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Ooh, Legend. Adolf offered him a pair of shoes despite speaking no English. The legend has it that he just walked up to him and didn't say anything but offered him some track spikes. Oh, that's so beautiful and pure. And Owens accepted. Accepted. I mean, there's only one thing you can do. You just got to accept the shoes. Somebody's putting themselves out there like yeah. that. I mean, unless you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Or Adolf Hitler. Okay. Or if you're a different Adolf. Yeah. Who I, wasn't pleased that Jesse Owens did so well at the 1936 Olympics. Yeah, that makes sense. Jesse Owens was the runaway star in 1936, winning four gold medals. And for at least two of those gold medal performances, the 4x100-meter relay that the Americans won in a little bit of a shock upset over the German team, and the long jump where Jesse Owens actually broke the world record. He was wearing the shoes that Adolf had given him. Man, I miss the good old days when track people could not only win in like a 100-meter dash or like a 4x100-meter so relay. It's so specialized now. And also, they get, but they could also win in like long jump and high jump. Oh yeah, and everything. It's so now. specialized now. But now you have to like just be one thing. Yes. Uh-huh. for your entire career. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or or you're a decathlete or a pentathlete or whatever. long distance. Runner. And those people are that's the only thing they do. Yeah, they never compete in the individual events themselves. Yes, that's they just like oh yeah we can kind of do everything. Yeah, we're never going to be the best at one of these things but if a decathlete now went back to 1936 oh they'd crush oh yeah they'd They'd annihilate yeah absolutely it was at this moment that the dassler brothers operation should have shot through the stratosphere you just outfooted the an international superstar essentially with shoes for this event and he broke a world record in them and he was clearly like the biggest story and he was wearing your shoes like that's a brand's dream yeah oh yeah absolutely but instead, World War II happened. And this is the part where we have to talk about how Rudolf and Adolf were Nazis. Okay. Yeah. We, we're going we're gonna to have to talk about it. I mean, to be a successful business in Germany during oh, those yeah. years, you had to pledge some sort yes. of allegiance oh, yes, to the Nazi party. There is debate over how seriously they were into it. 
if they were just doing it for pay, if they were kind of just small fish that were complicit or, or what have you. But we're going to have to talk about it because they were Nazis. Literally, they were members of the Nazi party. Was nearly all of Germany Nazi by the time World War II rolled around? Yeah, most people went along with it. It's kind of difficult to tell the more ardent believers from the people who just wanted to survive a war and have a successful business yeah. um, from the so and survive a dictator as well. And we are splitting some very fine hairs when we distinguish a difference between those two types of people, it must be said. Because if you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll let it happen. How complicit are you? It doesn't make you necessarily a better person. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's it's a not. it's a little bit of a moral conundrum. Yeah, it's like, what are you willing to do to like save your life? But also, like, what are you willing to do to like, what are you willing to put yourself through? Yes, to to get to that point. I don't yes, know. but both of the brothers joined the Nazi Party. Um, I read a couple things that said that the rumor was that Rudolph was kind of more into it than Adolf was. Ironic. He was drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, Adolf, his primary function during World War II was he was supplying shoes and other sportswear to um, the Nazi youth, the youth movement thing that Hitler was doing, to, like, their sports teams and activities. So he was making that for them. Okay. The brothers also had their factory in Erzo converted by the Nazi war machine into an assembly line for the German version of the bazooka, the Panzerschreck which means tank terror. Tank terror. Yeah, basically it was a I mean it was the it was the German version of the bazooka. Which oh, okay. The Americans yeah. had the bazooka first and then Germans kind of also were like, "Oh, this can exist." So they came out with them. And it was the first time that German infantry had access to something that they could take out a tank. It was the first time the German just infantry and not like their own tank could yeah. actually destroy an opposing tank. Yeah. Um their shoe factory was converted into a factory to assemble those things. Gotcha. Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that you're thinking. Yeah. It is. It's a lot. It is that. It came at a time this... When when this happened and when they started really shipping them to the front lines, it was kind of too little too late for the Germans. It was 1944, um, so very late in World War II, and it didn't ultimately end up making that big of a difference full war-wise, but they definitely created some weapons that killed a bunch of Allied forces. Just killed people. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, they killed people. Yeah. They did that. Yeah. This was also around about the time that the brothers had their falling out, which, to this day, no one knows with complete certainty exactly what happened. Rudolph, at one point, allegedly claimed it was the fault of Adolf's wife, Kita, and how headstrong she was. Rudolph and his wife, and Adolf and his wife, and their mother, because I think their father was dead at this point. They all lived in the same house. R.I.P. So, you have Rudolph and his wife. (laughs) R.I.P. Christoph. (laughs) You have Rudolph and his wife, Adolf and his wife, and their mom. They all lived in the same place. Yes. So... It created some tension, I was some gonna say, heads. A headstrong woman in in nineteen thirties probably gonna ruffle some feathers for, yeah, for yeah. uh some fragile men. Forget a forget a headstrong woman, a woman with 
any ideas whatsoever will yeah. probably ruffle some feathers. Yeah, just a woman who speaks up. And it's a really sad time. By all accounts, Kito was that person. She Good. wasn't. She wasn't taking no shit. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Not, not, as she shouldn't. <laughs> um, there was also tension due to Adolf wanting the company to focus first and foremost on cutting edge shoe development, while Rudolph was the more business minded person. He was more focused on the bottom line, the cash flow, all that stuff. Adolf was like, we need to make the best possible shoes. And Rudolph was kind of like more like, well, like it might be smarter to do this, this, and this business wise. We need the players to want our shoes. Actually, Adolf was better with the players. Oh, well. really? Yes. Huh. That's cool. Because they, they, the players and the teams really enjoyed the, the, I mean, the, the better quality of the shoes. It's probably because he was younger too. Just it might be. Who knows? I don't know. There's even a story that the brothers and their families were hiding in a bomb shelter during an air raid, and Adolf referred to the Royal Air Force bombers as those dirty bastards, which Rudolph overheard and assumed to be in reference to him and his family. <laughs> that story floats around a bunch. Finally, when Rudolph was drafted into the military, because he was drafted in the military again for World War II. Oh, yeah, that sucks. He was arrested for deserting his post first time, and then another time he was arrested by Allied forces when Allied forces had moved into Germany on suspicion of working for the Gestapo, and Rudy was convinced that Adolf and Kida had ratted him out, which they probably did. There was actually <laughs> this whole thing where Rudolf and his wife and Adolf and his wife kept doing these things and like ratting each other out and trying to make the other family seemed like the bigger Nazi sympathizer to these allied forces that were in, that were kind of in the, the business of finding the big Nazi sympathizers yeah, and bringing them to, to justice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, gosh. So there was, there was that there, there was a lot, there was a lot of bad blood that was boiling between these two. Yeah. 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 After the war ended, the Dossler factory in Erzo was in a bit of trouble as American forces were there and they were debating whether to burn the factory down or not. As legend would have it, Kita, Adolf's wife, actually was the one who convinced the troops that they were just shoemakers who wanted to get back to making shoes now that the war was over. She was like, listen, she kind of charmed him. That, that's the whole thing. Like she was apparently charming and kind of charismatic. Yeah. In addition to being what headstrong. stone-cold killer, honestly. She said, listen, we're just shoemakers. We had to do this. If they weren't, if we didn't do this, they were going to kill us, basically. So we just want to get back to making shoes. And then what really, what really did it for a lot of these American troops, they got wind that this was the factory that produced the shoes that Jesse Owens wore <laughs> at the 1936 Olympics. And they started buying everything that they were that they had, the, like buying all their stock. I yeah, I mean the, those shoes were blessed, and Jesse Owens did so well. I mean it makes sense. In the process of reassembling post-war Germany, Adolf's status as a Nazi party party member did come up, as Nazis were not allowed to own businesses. Adolf managed to prove at a hearing that he didn't really support the Nazi cause through several witnesses testifying that he had provided shoes to several different sports clubs with many different political leanings, as well as by the testimony of a Jewish friend who claimed that Adolf had hid him from Nazi patrols. So that's what he says at a trial, and that's what some people said for him. So I would hope that would be true. But at this point, he's got some dough. 
Yes. So bribing people isn't out of the equation. Also true. Okay. We it's it's really really there's a lot of tangled history that's kind of like what is myth, what is not myth yeah. with these guys. Yeah. The Americans accepted this. I mean, we we know that eventually they accepted this. They might have eventually just said, you know what, Adolf and Rudolph, you guys are ultimately small fish, and we don't care. And so we're just going to not bother. Which would make sense. They probably were pretty small fish in general. Yeah. Um, But they're also... I also get the fact that they were very paranoid about being labeled as the bigger Nazi sympathizer because Erzo was only like 20 kilometers from Nuremberg. Uh, where yeah. there was the we, war trials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a big thing. Yeah. So the Americans accepted this, and Adolf was left with a little bit of extra cash, but not much pr- extra product, and a very unstable economy. He also had to deal with Rudolf, who had irreconcilable differences with his brother. In 1948, Rudy left to start his own shoe company, setting up a factory in the same town just across the river. You could just, you could literally see it from one to one. You could just look at it. So they had now two shoe companies, both of them producing sports shoes. Adolf named his company after his own nickname, Adi. Uh, can I guess what the company you name is? You can absolutely come. Uh, is it uh, Nike? <laughs> no, you idiot. Uh, this is a terrible joke. Yeah, Adidas. It's obviously Adidas. Adidas, yes. yes. A combination of his nickname and his last name, Dossler. Yes. Adidas, uh, which is the same thing they did with Gados, the, the original brother's name for the shoe factory. Oh, yeah. Rudolph tried the same thing. Originally, his company was called Ruda. But he kind of decided that that wasn't exciting enough or that didn't have enough panache, whatever. And he wanted a more clean break if that a snappier name was was kind of necessitated. He dubbed his new company Puma. Yes. The uh, not necessarily forgotten younger brother of like soccer sportswear, but... Uh, ironic because like, he was the older brother. I know. That's why yeah. it's, it's kind of funny, but it really is like... Uh, kind of like an afterthought in the in the soccer game Mm because adidas and nike are so huge right now yeah puma was back in the was back in the day actually there was um there's talk that part of the reason that nike blew up so quickly and was able to be a major competitor and the biggest competitor in the world like footwear scene was because for so long adidas and puma were at each other's Uh, throats and so focused on each other and didn't encroach enough on Nike's territory to render them kind of the, the, the poor third market team kind of thing. Yeah. That's wild. So you had now instead of one shoe factory, two shoe factories and employees were picking sides. So a bunch of the employees, when Rudy left, they went with Rudolph across the river and then you had to get new employees, obviously, for both businesses. And these two become the two major businesses in the town. It's a small town, but they have made shoes under the same company that have achieved worldwide acclaim. And they just got a boost from an American interest because they outfitted Jesse Owens. So there was a lot of demand, and these two are growing. These two become the biggest employers in Erzo. So... I mean, the chances of you working at any place in Erzog and Abrach, 
um, were that you worked for either Adidas or Puma. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's the biggest slice of the pie in town. What side are you on? That's exactly what happened. Yes. So family members of the employees were also picking sides, and friends of the family. Suddenly, everybody in Erzo, it was a family feud that had just taken on a life of its own in the town, and it extended to the brothers' workers, their friends. It's just this big multiplying effect. It's so funny, because I, you kind of get that today, but not with like like such deeply rooted roots. Rooted roots? Rooted roots. <laughs> Classic. But you have people who are like uh, Nike only forever, or... A, Adidas forever only, or I don't even Under Armour only forever. Um, but these families, like they they're picking sides because of like where their dad went to work. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was exactly it. It was this whole like weird corporate war that turned into like two big gangs. It was weird. Yeah. If so, in a small town, it wasn't very long before the entirety of the city had picked a side: Adidas or Puma. If you were Adidas, you didn't go to a bar owned by someone who wore Puma and vice versa. Adidas people shopped with Adidas people in stores owned by Adidas people. Puma people with Puma people. Same thing. With eating, friendly outings, all that stuff. It got to a point where if you were a person working for one company, it was probably heavily discouraged that if you were interested in an employee for the other company... That wasn't going to work. You weren't going to marry them. Absolutely not. Huh. Like, it was like, no, no, no. You don't, you don't talk to them. It was like, it was like Romeo and Juliet. It was like Montague's and Capulets. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. There's, there's going to be no intermingling yes. of these two, but with Adidas and Puma. <laughs> Just because of shoes. Just because of shoes. <laughs> All, so, so basically what I'm saying is that, um, Adolf is like Lord Montague and Rudolph is Lord Capulet. And their shoes are Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, English major ah, and master. You know, mm, no problem. <laughs> okay. Ah, I'm just feeling myself a little bit. <laughs> Let's go. Multiple degrees. <laughs> oh, man. Erzo began to be known as the town of the lowered gaze. This is an actual nickname for the town. Huh. Because people would look at your shoes first to see which company you support. Oh yeah, you're like, I don't know if I got. It's literally I don't know if I trust this guy or not. The, the gaze was to the shoes first. Yeah, but that's that's what it was. Wow. Addy and Rudolph didn't speak again for years. Yeah, that's sad. That is really sad. The companies, however, both found international success. Rudolph was an apt businessman. He was very good at the cash flow stuff, but Addy had far more wherewithal for making shoes and talking to actual athletes. And that gave Adidas a bit of an upper hand, which is clear to see today. Adidas is a top two sportswear company with Nike and Puma. They literally have Lionel Messi. Yes. Puma lags behind them. Yes. They just do. Puma has Sergio Aguero, which is like, he's good. Good player. Is Usain Bolt a a Puma? Was he a Puma athlete? Uh, I want to say that he was. That feels like probably the biggest Puma athlete, most likely. Yeah. But now non soccer like, world, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the most famous international incident between the two companies, however, saw Puma take a major W. Oh. Puma won. Okay. At the nineteen seventy four World Cup, one of the most famous teams to compete was in the Netherlands. 
And they also had one of the world's biggest stars at the time, Johan Cruyff. Oh. Two podcasts in a, in a row with Cruyff. Cruyff, man. Netherlands was outfitted by Adidas for their uniforms, their shirts, their shorts, their socks, all that stuff. And their shirts and shorts had the signature three stripes running along the sleeves and the bottom, which still happens. Yes. It's, it's just the classic Adidas look. Yes. Cruyff, however, only ever wore Puma boots. He was a Puma athlete. Oh. And he did not want to wear the Adidas licensing on his uniform either. So he did something that would never, ever fly today. Yeah. It just wouldn't exist. He had his Netherlands jerseys remade. Having one of the stripes on each sleeve and the shorts removed. So the entire Netherlands team was running around orange shirts, black three stripes on their sleeves and their shorts. You can look at videos of this. Johan Cruyff only had two. Oh my god! So it kind of looked the same, but if <laughs> only like, if you uh... if you paid close attention, you saw that he actually got rid of Adidas's branding. That would never ever fly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. absolutely not. People would get sued yeah. out the wazoo. Yeah, it would not happen. But it happened in the 1974 World Cup, which is which is kind of it is one of the the weirdest and most notable like soccer things that happened between the two companies. Yeah. So. Rudolph and Adi eventually reconciled enough to speak a few times, um, like, later on in life kind of thing. Uh-huh. Although the feud never died while they were alive. Uh. When Rudolph was on his deathbed and Adi was invited to go speak with him one last time, Adi allegedly declined. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like, hey, we want to speak. To, um, your older brother wants to speak to you. He's dying. And, and it was like, no, that's okay. It's so sad. Rough. That makes me feel really terrible. Yeah. When Adi died four years later, he was buried on the, in the same cemetery as Rudolph on the opposite side, as far away from his brother as he could get. Oh my they're gosh. literally buried as far apart as the cemetery would allow. <laughs> but they're in the cemetery. But they are in the same cemetery. So, small town. Yeah. Not many cemeteries to choose true, from. True. Probably. Probably only two or three max. The rivalry in town persists in some small ways still today, although has finally worn off by and large. It's very rare to see people wear both brands at the same time, though. You'll see lots of people wearing Adidas and lots of people wearing Puma, but what you won't see is somebody wearing Puma shoes and an Adidas shirt. That doesn't happen. If you're going to be wearing brands, you're wearing one brand all the way up. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's just a general rule of thumb. Oh, really? You follow that rule? I mean, I don't. I don't, follow that rule I don't at necessarily all. follow that rule, but I do like. I, it's something that I consciously think about as I'm like pulling okay. up some Adidas shorts and but putting on like a Nike shirt, Nike cleats. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one person who does wear both brands at the same time on purpose is the town mayor, who's. His real actual name is German Hacker. Huh. German Hacker. German Hacker. Wow. <laughs> is his name. What a guy. What a guy. He wears both brands for political purposes, yeah. which is hilarious. Yeah, can't pick a side. Yeah, right. It should show a united Urzo. But he did have a side at one point, because when he was a kid, his aunt was a Puma employee. Mm. He said to wear Adidas as a child would have been, in his own words, unthinkable. You would, he would never wear it. Only Puma. 
only Puma for the whole family because his aunt worked for Puma. Yeah. That's the type of devotion we're dealing with here. But in classic politician fashion... He's got to... He, now he wears both. He's got to toe the line. Yep. Yeah. So now oh, he wears man. both, like, and all the time. And yeah. in his office, there's, like, memorabilia from both Adidas and Puma stashed. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Good for him. Adidas and Puma employees had a friendly soccer match in 2009, symbolizing the official end of the feud. There was actually, there was mixed teams and they did like managing versus like floor employees. Oh. The managers won seven to five. It's just little soccer facts for you. It's for like the, the, it's like the office where they have like the warehouse versus the. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> like that. Um, at this point, the two companies have gone global and most of the employees that worked at Adidas and Puma at the Adidas and Puma centers in Erzo aren't actually from Erzo and a healthy amount aren't even German. There's a lot of French people, a lot of Swiss people, a lot of people from all over the world that yeah. work for these companies. But one thing Herzo will never get, according to historian Klaus-Peter Gabelin, is a shoe museum because neither company would be able to agree on how the story should be told. Uh, yeah, it's true. And that's the story of the uh. Adidas and Puma feud. Between two brothers, Rudolf and Adolf Dossler. It's a really good story. It is a good story. A, a really good story. Yeah, you caught you caught on you caught on fairly quickly what we were talking about. Well, so I only knew them for their nicknames Rudy and Adi, and you didn't really start using them until the second half of the story. And Important, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I I did that intentionally. Yeah. I honestly didn't even know that Adi's name was Adolf. Was Adolf. <laughs> yeah. So that I was like, came, well, we're talking about World Boy too, so I might as well throw that in there. Yeah. No, that's that is really awesome. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy because now when I put on Puma stuff, I feel like I'm being retro. Like, yeah, right. It, it used to be cool, and now it's like kind of cool. Like, I still have some Puma gear that I feel cool wearing. I feel like Puma in general has fallen off a little bit, especially in the last few years, like the last like five to ten years. I think that when I was in high school, Puma felt a lot more relevant and cooler than it does now. Yeah. On the other hand, I still think that the Puma jerseys that Puma pumps out for like a lot of these African countries, like the African national teams under them, for the last like decade have been some of the best jerseys that anybody is creating. Yeah. Very, very cool. The stuff that they put out for Ghana, Always Fire, Senegal. Real good. They did Senegal for a while. Actually, no, they're they're, they're Senegal right now. Pretty sure. Um, for whatever reason, uh, companies just take like African countries and like you know what? Let's have fun with it and make this look really cool. Yeah. It's like why can't you do that for literally every other country? I think it's because not every country wants to be cool and fun. Yeah. A lot of countries want to be classy. Like Germans, they don't want to be fun. Germans had a pretty fun 2018. The aways, the greens, like their classic greens. They had like kind of the weird. Retro snowflake pattern. It was cool. All I know is that Men in Blazers had that huge like nipples tingling thing for whenever a team walks out in Puma jerseys because they're skin tight. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the Men in Blazers. It's like uh, just uh, flashes back to Uruguay and yes, in their Puma jerseys. Oh yeah, <laughs> Edson Cavani with his, you know, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I got. I'm I'm smelling what you're stepping. Maybe in. these people know what I'm talking about. Maybe too. they know. Maybe they know. Maybe they know. I, I own know. one Puma jersey. Is it pretty tight? It is. No, it's oh, like a normal. Nice. nice. The replicas are not tight usually. 
It's a it's an old uh, Dortmund Aubameyang. I was gonna ask if it was the Aubameyang. Yeah, the black jersey. one with the yellow yeah. pinstripes. It's they used to be. Puma. It's really sick. They still well, are Puma. They still are Puma. Yeah, oh. Dortmund, all Dortmund stuff is Puma. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, dude. I used to be huge into. I was a big Adidas guy. I mean, it was the only shoe that I'd wear for the first 16, 17 years of my life. I've worn plenty of Adidas, but I settled into Nike because the Nike shoes just fit my feet better. Honestly, the Tiempo. The Tiempo. The Tiempo is what did it for me. (sighs) The Tiempo fits my foot so well. Yeah. Oh, man. God love it. So good. Anyway... Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, yeah. <laughs> you listener. After we have a, a brief reverie regarding soccer cleats or football boots, 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 bootstrap, uh, <laughs> bootstrap bill, bootstrap bill Turner. <laughs> uh, hope you came for the casual pirates references. Pirates of the Caribbean. As always, we are at Deadball Pod pretty much everywhere. We're most active on Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to drop us follows, it's really, really cool. Also, most importantly, if you would like to drop us a rating and a review, that would be super appreciated. It helps more people see our podcast. And if more people see our podcast, it lets us do more cool things. It helps out Blue Wire, who are um, taking us under their wing in this new journey in a podcasting network that we're um, embarking upon. And in general, good things happen when people rate and review us. So if you would be so kind, do it wherever you listen to podcasts. Right now. Right now. Please. Don't delay. Pulls. Pulls. As always, you can email us any question or concern you have about the podcast if you have a story that you want us to look into and tell all of you lovely listeners um, – Our email is deadballpod at gmail.com. Yes. And as always, my name is Adam Whitaker-Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we will see you in about a week. Bye-bye now.